Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Puppies and kitties. Books and movies. Yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. Welcome to Book Squad Goals. Yes. I'm Kelly. Um, I don't know if my voice sounds really bad, but I feel like it does because I'm sick, so I'm just going to apologize for that in advance. It doesn't, really. Kelly told us that she was going to sound like Scar from The Lion King today. Yeah. <laughs> this oh one time gosh. I met Jeremy Irons. What? I got really drunk before I could talk to him. Oh yeah. Oh, man. And then he touched my arm, this arm. That very oh my arm. God. It was like a mile that oh way. I know. Did you get a tattoo of his <laughs> fingerprints? <laughs> Oh, well, I was too drunk to have him, like, mm. fingerprint me. Oh. <laughs> this is Mary Kay, by the way. That's Mary Kay. <laughs> Special guest Mary Kay. Mary Kay has a podcast. Yeah, Mary Kay, do you want to tell us about your thing that you do? Tell us who you are and about your thing. Yeah, um, my friend Megan and I started a podcast that we kind of analyze and make fun of different scary movies. And we use scary, like, really loosely, so... Um, this next one, that or the one we just did, is Silence of the Lambs, and we're doing Monster next, and it's called Everything Trying to Kill You. Woo! And then I also have a blog that I do by myself on the same stuff, but like movies that are new. Yeah, you just did one on Shape of Water, right? Yes, that's going to come out. Well, it won't be tomorrow when this comes out. but yes. So it'll be out by the time this comes out. Yes, yeah. it will have just happened. I am dying to see that movie. Yeah, we will link, of course... To the blog and the podcast. And Emily was on an episode of your podcast. Yes. Yeah. A couple War. weeks back. That was a really and fun one. Mary yeah. Kay wrote a guest blog for us a while Yay. back. Yes. On The Vivitch. The, the Witch. The, the Witch, guys. The Vivitch. Yes, that movie is straight. So good. Fact. It's so good. <laughs> oh. There was so much that I needed to talk about. And I was like, how do I narrow it down into something that someone would actually like want to look at? I, I wanted so, to look at every word of that. She got on a lot of it. It was good. Yeah. It, it's really hilarious. If you haven't read her post, you should go back and read it. And if you haven't seen The Witch, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's so good. Yes. Yeah. It is so For good. Um, so welcome, Mary Kay. And uh, this week, to introduce ourselves, oh, also, Susan is absent today, <laughs> unfortunately, but she will be back next time. Feel better, Susan. Susan's Feel better, Susan. Sick. Yes, we love you, and we miss you. We miss you. Okay, so I wanted to ask you guys what your circus profession would be. Oh, boy. 
if you were in a circus? Guess first. I think Mary Guess Kay should first. go first. Yeah. Me first? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I was I was peer pressured into joining a circus. Um, I don't know. If, did you know that? I almost no. did this past summer. I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I didn't, but I am, I'm always, it's always in the back of my mind. So like every time I watch something, I'm like, oh, I want to do that, but I want to do it different. So I'm a belly dancer. So that would be like the love, the, 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 the regular thing that I would do. And then I would want to learn how to, I'm learning zills, like the finger oh, yeah. and I would want to learn Ooh. how to do it. Like while balancing a sword on my head and tap oh, dancing. That's that would be so I don't know. Cool. Like I just in my head, all of that can happen at the same time. Oh yeah. It can't I don't know how to do it. But I mean we're dreaming big, right? Like, yeah, this like is if you could do question. anything. Okay. If I could right. do anything, I would do that. Yeah. I mean, if you already belly dance and you're learning the zills, you can work it up. You can work up to that level. I I could ham it up, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then the, there's this other thing where the people like balance on wine glasses and that'd be pretty cool too if i could but not with the tap dancing it's got to be one or the other you could you could be the first to do both though (laughs) tap dancing on wine glasses. i would just be like (laughs) shards of glass in angles (laughs) (laughs) but it would be fun though okay well i'm emily and i think if i were going to be in the circus okay there's a big like disclaimer on this I would only do this if, for some reason, the animals in the circus were treated humanely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> for some reason, I don't think that's usually, usually the case. Are. I don't. They are. I don't oh, know. I thought it was. I don't yeah, know. I think now. Let's assume now. this is like a no animal circus. You know, this is like a no. I but I want an animal that you don't understand. Oh, okay. But if they're your pet animals, you treat them however okay. you want to treat. Them. I want um, an yeah. elephant. I want to be like in like water for ele- water for elephants mm-hmm. when yeah. she gets to ride on the elephant and do tricks and stuff on the elephant. Like I really want to do that because I don't know if you guys know this, but like I love elephants. I, think I actually didn't know super that. Awesome. Yeah, I elephants love elephants. Rule. Elephants rule. Um, so I'd really like to have a pet elephant, and I guess since it's my elephant, I would treat it like my child, and yes. it would be like the most pampered elephant ever. So, yeah. Could the pee ride on the elephant's back? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it when animals are on other animals. Oh, yeah. I would have, like, <laughs> smaller animals that would get... So, like, I'd have the elephant and then, like, a fox and then, like, a red panda and then the pee. Yes. And yes. then a pork. A pork on top. And a pork on top. <laughs> yes. Like a cherry on top, but a pork on top. Yes. Like, uh, this is a huge question for me because (laughs) I think I've probably mentioned it before, but in D&D, I play a character who is a child, who was a circus performer as a child. Mm -hmm. So I've thought about this a lot. (laughs) I'm kind of obsessed with circus stories, if I'm being honest. Um, Realistically, I think I would probably be pretty good at reading tarot. Yeah. Because... I do have an advanced degree in analyzing things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of tarot is like analyzing the images. Yes. I don't know. I would. Okay. So I'm Kelly. That was Mary. Yeah. Also animals. I would be really into like taking care of animals. So you would be like, like a tarot reader lions, with like big animals. Cats. Yeah. With like cats I just want like a you. big. I want a big cat to 
sit be- sit beside me as I read to you. Yeah. Yes. yes. I was hoping that you're going to say your it. animal companion. Go there. Yeah. 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 You're going to be like Princess yeah. Jasmine with Raja, but like terror. Yeah. Is it going to be a big cat like a lion or like a you know the size of my cat? You know, is it going to be like a twenty pound house cat? Yes. yes. Yeah. Who can say? So I also was going to say that I wanted to be a fortune teller. Um. Because I have dabbled in tarot reading and palm reading. Um, and in college, we had to do this uh, performance art project where we had mm-hmm. to cre- like create a character and be that character for a day. Uh, and like basically just freak people out on campus. So I decided to be a fortune teller as my character. And I wore like a whole outfit. And then like I went in the plaza and, like, started doing palm readings for people. Um, and it was really stupid and horrible. But <laughs> I have experience. So there you go. Also, I think being a contortionist would be really cool. I have yeah. no idea how to do any of that. But I think it would be really cool. Like you just awesome. stretch a lot. That yeah. is that is what my <laughs> character in D&D did was, like, acrobatic. Yeah, contortion type stuff. That makes sense if they were a child performer too, because kids are like stretchy. You just like sit on your head right quick, like no big deal. <laughs> yep, I know. you're so limber anyway. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So the reason we are talking about all of this, um, if you didn't already know, is because uh, this last month we have been reading the Book of Speculation by Erica Swiler. Um, this book was my pick, though. Kind of also Emily's pick. Heavily influenced by me. Heavily influenced by Emily, who texted me and was like, Don't hey, you want to pick this book? No pressure or anything, but you should pick Book of Speculation. <laughs> yeah. And I already had it, and I was like, All right. And I wanted to read it anyway. So it's not like she made me, but thanks, you know, Kelly. She was an influence. This is a twist, though, because when that happened with me, I was like, Hey, Susan, why don't you pick the couple next door? That didn't work out so well. And that, that did not work really out well. Not a good thing that happened. Um, <laughs> I figured this wouldn't be quite so bad. Um, no. It wasn't. So it wasn't. It was definitely a hundred and ten percent less painful than reading the couple next door. Maybe more. Maybe more. Maybe more or less painful. Maybe more less painful. <laughs> Maybe more or less painful. So I have the Goodreads description here, which doesn't tell us a lot. Shock. Um, As usual. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I'm going to read it anyway. So, here we go. Let me put on my narrator voice. A sweeping and captivating debut novel about a young librarian who has sent a mysterious old book inscribed with his grandmother's name. What is the book's connection to his family? Simon Watson, a young librarian, lives alone on the Long Island Sound in his family home, a house perched on the edge of a cliff that is slowly crumbling into the sea. His parents are long dead, his mother having drowned in the water his house overlooks. Um, This doesn't say this here, but drowned by suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, One day, Simon receives a mysterious book from an antiquarian bookseller. It has been sent to him because it is inscribed with the name Verona Bon, Simon's grandmother. Simon must unlock the mysteries of the book and decode his family history before fate deals its next deadly hand. The Book of Speculation is Erica Swiler's gorgeous and moving debut, a wondrous novel about the power of books, family, and magic. True. Ooh. Twoo. 
Very All right. Clue. So um, I guess, so Mary Kay, we usually start by kind of giving our star rating that we're going to give it on Goodreads, which means no half stars allowed. Um, but you can say what what half star you would give, but you have to ultimately pick which direction you're going in. Um, so since you're the guest, uh, why don't you go first? Tell us what you thought of the book and your general overall feelings. Okay, general feelings. Got it. I gave it three. I looked at your outline and I was like, let me go look. Okay, I can't. It's either liked it or really liked it or loved it. Yes. Like those are like the Mm -hmm. three. And if I finish a book, it's usually, you know, three, Three. four, or five. Right. right? Because otherwise (laughs) I'm not going to finish it. Like I don't like it. So I finished this one and I liked it and I enjoyed it while I was reading it. But then I finished it about a few weeks ago and there were only like a few images that stuck with me, like that stuck with me. So I read it again because I was like, what am I going to say? Like like this past (laughs) weekend, I was like, I don't remember. So I had to read it again. That's why I was like, it was fun. And I liked, I enjoyed it while I was reading it. And then it left my brain. Yeah. That's why I gave it As usual, the guest is making us look bad by being so prepared. I know. (laughs) Well, I just didn't want to be like... Not prepared. I will, look. I'm gonna in a second. I'm gonna start cussing a lot. So yes, it's okay. Is that, is There's that an help? explicit tag on this, so we're good. Okay, Do good. It. Well, actually, the last time we had a guest was Ben, and I don't think he was that prepared. So <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was. He was. He'd read like sort the first of 100 pages of the book. So yes. he gave it a two, probably or a one, <laughs> right? I don't know uh, if he's still reading it to this day. No, he gave up. It was it, Stephen King's it, and he, I think he uh, just gave up. That's a long on one it. too, isn't it? It's so yeah. long. Um, I also gave this a three because, um, kind of the same reasons Mary Kay said. Like it was interesting, but then like afterwards, thinking about it, I was like, hmm, what was the point of that? You know, and um, <laughs> and I think Kelly and I will talk about this. Um, later more, but just... We may have had a private conversation. <laughs> we might have had a private conversation about the book already. I know y'all are going to get mad, but... Um, How dare you? I told Kelly, I, I texted her and was like, what is the point of this current day timeline? Like, why do we need this? And Kelly was like, that's so funny because I don't think we need the circus timeline at all. And so... <laughs> what? Yeah. That's the funnest part. That's what I we'll said. Okay, so yes. oh, you're both wrong. I don't know. Oh I God. just I just felt like some parts were a little redundant. Like, and I was wondering, like, yeah. what is the mystery here? Because like, I felt like there was supposed to be this mystery that we were uncovering, but we kind of like knew what was happening before, like, dude figured it out. And so yeah. I don't know. I I thought that yeah. the story was interesting, but it could have the tension could have been built better. I'm going to say I would give it a four. Gasp. Um, I did read it very quickly. But while I was reading it, I didn't feel like sad about reading it. If that makes sense. Like I was excited to be reading (laughs) it. I didn't feel like I was rushing to finish a book that I hated. (laughs) And I didn't want to put it down. And I mean, I said, you know, as I said, I love stories about circuses, but what interests me the most about these circuses are how the people live on the yeah. road and like the juxtaposition of being a circus performer, which many people would interpret to be, you know, like a freak or something, mm-hmm. but actually just being a normal old person 
with normal old people desires. And so, like, I've always really enjoyed that. Um, like, Geek Love is one of my favorites. Geek Love is my shit. That's one of my top it's, five It's, like, really messed novels. up and maybe yeah. not a normal old folk <laughs> example, but, you know, circuses. I have that book. I need to read yeah. it. It's right over there. You, look, you gotta read that right away, man. Mm. That's probably why this one came down to three. I would have loved it if I hadn't read Geek Love first. I think Geek Love is trying to do something different. The title Geek Love does not say circus to me. It's, um, the geeks are the, I think they're the ones that bite the heads off of stuff. Off chickens, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, chickens. Or whatever bird. Yeah, I think. And so, but I think it's also, like, it means more than that, too, right? Like, it doesn't have to be just that, but that's how they used it, I think. Yeah, yeah. The only, like, definition of the word geek that I know is, like, the contemporary definition. Right. Plus, look at that cover, right? That does not say circus. That says 1999. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, is this book about text messaging? Right? That's why I didn't read it. Or sooner, yeah. So this is Geek Love by Catherine Dunn, guys. Those of you guys who are listening who want to check it out. Well, I think th- I think she might have a quote on the back of this book, too. Yep. That would make sense. Yeah, I think she passed last year, too, which is devastating. Aww. I just, you know, I, I love that behind-the-scenes look at the circus, and I think it's interesting to get the family's perspective years and years later, and they didn't know they had this history. I really enjoyed all the parts of it. It had everything for me. But I, too, feel like, even though I'm really excited about it right now, probably in a couple of weeks, it'll be fuzzy for me. So that's why it doesn't get a five. But solid four. Cool. I am going to give it a three also. And I'm, like, struggling with it because I liked it. But I feel like I could have really liked it, and I almost did, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And there were, like, several things holding me back from that, and it was just, like, I was, like, I'm so close to being really into this, and I'm just not, and I hate that feeling. So, for me, I think, I mean, we'll get get into this more. I guess we can just kind of transition into this, because it's the first discussion point anyway. Um, So, this book is divided into two distinctive storylines. So we have the contemporary storyline, which follows Simon, who is our main character, and his quest to save his sister. Um, So it doesn't say this in the book description from Goodreads, but essentially Simon has this book delivered to him, and he realizes, going through the book, that the women in his family, which he, he knew already, I think, that, but he starts finding newspaper clippings that leads him to the understanding that the women in his family die on July 24th, and they die by drowning. Mm -hmm. And uh, his mother died this way. Her mother died this way. Uh, We find out that his mother's mother's mother died this way. Um, And so he has a sister, and he assumes uh, that he got this book, and his sister is also a circus performer, but in a more contemporary circus setting and he assumes that she's going to die by drowning also on this 24th day of july so he sets out on this quest to figure out as much as he can to try to figure out what it is that is making this happen um because he thinks it might have some kind of magical uh thing going on because he doesn't want to think like they just were all really sad and he's also like (laughs) (laughs) he's like that can't be the case we can't just be sad there has to be a curse he's like depression can't run in my family um (laughs) 
I mean, technically, depression is sort of a curse. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe. That's but true. not by a person on another person unless you can't, like, genetics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you curse genetics another person. Genetics are dep- a curse. I curse you to have depression. My mom cursed me to have depression by giving birth to me and also yes. having depression. Yeah. Something like that. That's what happens. Like, that is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> that is, in fact, what happens. As I start <laughs> chugging wine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but so he is concerned about this and his sister is kind of like a wayward child who like ran away. She didn't run away, but she left after high school, I guess. And just sort of like, just like the circus. See, see a never and like join the circus. And then he's like, I see her once every couple of years and she shows up and like we hang out and then she leaves again. So, uh, she suddenly reappears just around the time that he's receiving this book in the mail and he is like she never gets in touch with me this must not be a coincidence and she seems like she's sort of something weird is going on with her and so he's convinced she's gonna die unless he finds out like in the next couple of weeks what's going on so basically that's the the present storyline i have a question about that though can i just really quickly i want to what made him think this was going to be the year, though? I wondered that, too. It was her yeah. acting strange. Yeah. And she was, she was behaving with the tarot deck that belonged to their mother, uh-huh. like their mother behaved with the tarot deck before, before she, she killed herself. Was it, isn't yeah. she also in her late 20s now? Uh-huh. Or excuse me, we've rebranded that mid-20s. <laughs> and then your 30s or your late 20s. That's what we're doing now, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if that had something to do with it, too. It definitely feels that way. I don't know. So, our, that's the, the present storyline. And then we have yeah. the past storyline, which takes place in this circus, which is the circus of the book that he has received in the mail. Um, which is run by a man named Hermelius Peabody. It's a great name. What a name. Peabody. It's a lot like Phineas Barnum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's real similar. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but it's true. Yeah. That's why Mary Kay is here, to drop those facts. With the circus facts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, listen, I love the circus shit. I don't know. I've always been like... You know, the thing it. is, like, I also love circus stuff, and I think something that bothered me about this was, like, I felt like there were a lot of kind of heavy-handed cliches in this book. Yeah about circus performers. And so, because I've, exper- like, read a lot of circus stories, and I feel like you sort of get the same, like, oh, Russian fortune teller, mm-hmm. and the, like, tiny girl contortionist, and the, you know, it's just, like, a thing of, I felt like the characters became kind of, like, caricatures and didn't necessarily have these personalities and would have been unique characters if they hadn't already existed as these same characters a lot of times before. Yeah, I think I think I know what you're saying because they all have like this a really similar shtick to what's already been done yeah. in the old timeline. Yeah, and I think part of that is like, you know, it was like this is like a real real early circus. Also, like mm-hmm. this is before whatever in New York with the mus- with the like the Oddities Museum and everything. But 
people didn't see people who didn't look like them a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it was just like, oh, this person is from somewhere else, that's like, that's interesting enough at the right. time. But I get it though, because it's already been done in literature. Yeah. I get what you're saying too. It's like right. at the time would have been really novel, but mm-hmm. we're not in late 1700s. So yes, we're going to need some more. Yeah. I had and to, I wrote mm-hmm. it in there too in the pink. Like I had to pick actors to play each character in yeah. my head because they all just kind of blend together. You know? Yeah. And I felt personally, like, for me at least, the contemporary characters felt a little bit more real and a little bit more nuanced, where the circus performers were – because it's like, yes, if you have this character that is – this is the character that they're playing for people, but I felt like there wasn't a a big difference between the character that they were playing and then the people that they actually were. In the new one? In the old one. In the old one. In the circus one. In the original, like – past mm-hmm. circus line. I felt like like if uh so our characters are um Amos who is the wild boy who is also later becomes a fortune teller and he's sort of like our entrance into this story and kind of the one who we follow but it's not narrated by him. He's mute. He's a mute right. fortune teller which is yeah. I guess that is novel. I've never <laughs> yes. heard of a mute fortune teller before. How do you tell fortunes while mute? Yeah. And he uses tarot cards to communicate. Yeah. Yes. So I thought that was pretty unique. That was. However, yeah. he I was did. boring as hell as a character for me. <laughs> he had no personality other than, like, I'm sad and in love. Like, that was his only character <laughs> trait. And it was very frustrating for me because I felt like everything he did was defined by, like, being first lonely and then falling in love with Evangeline and that was it. You're, like you're forgetting that part in the middle where he gets really excited about being able to like piss and shit wherever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> As the wild yeah, boy. Awesome. He's like, I love being oh the wild God. boy. I just get to do whatever the fuck I want and like if I need to take a shit, I'll just do it in front of everybody. Like whatever. Yeah, but he likes doing it because Peabody is like, you did it. You took a great shit. Like, he scared the fuck out of that lady. And now she's going to tell all her friends and all her friends are going to come. So it's like, I mean, and he was abandoned as a child in the woods. Like, and then survived. Like, that's a pretty big deal. And that's probably why all he cares about is, like, please like me. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I I mean, from the past timeline, the characters stood out a lot more easily to me. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I remembered them better. See, I did not yeah. feel this way, but I—I I mean, I felt like I—I I remembered all the characters, but I felt like I remembered them because they were like stereotypes of characters. Oh, yeah, that it's like, of course. So there's the the fortune teller, um, Rishkova, which I looked earlier at a thousand ways to pronounce this last name, and this is what I'm going to go with, which I hope is correct. Sounds um, good. <laughs> Sounds anyway, good to me. She is yeah. Russian, and she is. A fortune teller, or as they call her in the circus, like, the gypsy, you know. The seer. The Mm -hmm. seer. And she is exactly what you would expect. (laughs) Like, literally exactly what you'd expect. So that was frustrating. Because I'm like, you have an opportunity to have, like, like, an older woman who's kind of, like, fascinating. But she's just like, I got nothing special out of that character. I liked her, too. She has a life, though. She has a life. She has a history. She has, Barely. Like, all, those, 
all those pictures. And then, okay, so this phrase kept bothering me when all of their features were vaguely Slavic. Like, all right, mm-hmm. like, pick a new thing. Pick mm-hmm. a new way of describing them. Yeah. Um, but no, I liked, um, we were saying Rushkova. That's yes. how you have it. Okay. Uh, in my head, I had cast her as Eartha Kitt, even though that doesn't make mm. sense. Uh, because I think because I wanted her to have, like, that sexy That raspy. voice. Yeah. Yeah, that voice. Um, and then she, I liked her because she loves Amos. She's like, no, you're mine. I'm going to take care of you. And she knows, like, don't go with that girl, but he does it anyway. And then I also really remember her hands being messed up. Mm-hmm. So that stood out to me that, like, she does most of her work with her voice and her hands, and her hands are messed up. And then um, Amos is the other end of that because his hands are really agile, but he can't speak. So I liked yeah. I, I liked them. I mean, I, I get what you're saying though about them kind of being predictable, but yeah. I still like it. Yeah, fair. It does seem like sort of a stereotype of the circus, but at the same time, the past timeline seemed so pared down to me. Because it really was just about Amos and Evangeline at the end of the day, because they have to get together for all these kids to happen to make it to the present day timeline. Yeah. Which seemed more like there was more going on. Right. And for that purpose, like, I was okay with the stereotypes. Yeah. I mean, so so the point of my question is... (laughs) <laughs> which I started asking a very long time ago. Oh, right. But um, the the two timelines exist, um, and they switch between them throughout the book. Um, and, and the contemporary timeline is on this sort of, like, time limit where we're getting the date because we're waiting until January – or January, July 24th, which is when the death is going to happen if it happens. So we get a day or whatever – I'm totally keeping in the sound of wine pouring. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Um, So we get a day and then we get, like, an amount of time in in the past timeline. And what I want to know is, like, how do you guys feel like these storylines, like, worked together? Or did they? Or did they not? And why? (laughs) So this is another thing we kind of talked about before. Again, like... There was a certain point where, like, Kelly and I were talking about this, and I was finally like, Kelly, we have to stop, because (laughs) we can't talk about everything before the episode. But I think, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, too, um, the the way that things are revealed in one timeline and then revealed later in another timeline was just, like, kind of, I felt, like, off. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, there was a certain point where I felt like, as far as, like, reveals went, um, the circus timeline was, like, way ahead. And, like... Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I personally felt like the present-day timeline didn't seem as important to me. Because, like, if I'm reading to, like, find out what's going on, I'm not finding out anything from the present timeline. Because he's just figuring out stuff that, like, I've already figured out. Yeah. And that was... I agree. That was, like, really frustrating for me. Because... Like, it's not fun to know what the character doesn't know and wait for them to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I told Emily, it reminded me of when I, and this is not really a good comparison because this is a terrible book, but Twilight, it reminds me of Twilight because for like the first however many pages, she's like, why is he so pale? 
why does he freak out every time I come near him and he smells me? Like, what? why can't he go out in the sun? And it's like, we all fucking know he's a vampire. Like, we know. It says it on the back of the book, Bella. It takes her forever to figure it out. And it's so boring. It's like, I... <laughs> it's obviously this is a much better book than that like this is not not comparable in quality but i'm just saying that that is the sensation that i had where i'm like it's insane that this is so far apart in like what i already know and the whole point of what's going on with him is he's trying to figure this out so i agree except emily was like well, we should just not have the contemporary storyline. And I'm like, but we need that part because that's the part with urgency. <sighs> it could have just been like a frame. It could have been a frame. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I'm sorry. You talk. I'm just interrupting you and like negating everything you're uh, saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But I <laughs> I feel like what's the point? Like if if we have that as a frame and we have the circus storyline as, as the entire book, like what – more can they do well here's what i think i mean i just want to go in and rework this book to make it more effective <laughs> same it's a great story it's just executed not yeah, the right let's, way let's yeah, workshop this I, right yeah. okay so like let's i think do it go ahead i think the pacing of the circus could learn the circus timeline could learn a lot from the pacing of the current day timeline because i think pacing wise the current day timeline is better um, yes, I agree. so I think maybe like that's what you're responding to, like yes. pacing wise. The current timeline, like it, it moves really fast. There's a lot of exposition in the circus part of the story, and it's slow, and that yeah. slows it down because you're like, I'm not mm-hmm. seeing this in scene. I'm just being told about these people, and it's slow because I don't fucking care about these boring ass characters. All right, well that's your opinion. It's, I'm sorry, but it's true. Like, all, like it's just pages and pages of Amos being like, "Why doesn't she want to touch me?" But I and think I'm like, we would care more if we saw in scene more of the stuff happening rather than it just saying yeah. like Amos communicated with her through tarot, and then if we got more of the characters doing things, exactly, yeah, exactly. more showing. we would know them better. Yeah, I thought so too. And then I like I didn't even pick up on like the pacing being different because I was so much more interested in the past than in the present timeline. Like, I, I was thinking about it. I was like, maybe we should have just told it chronologically. And then I was like, no, I would have quit as soon as Elijah <laughs> Wood came on on stage. Elijah Wood? Oh, you cast Elijah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I knew who you meant yeah. as soon as you said that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. He's Elijah Wood. Yeah. And then um, I picked um, Amy Adams for Alice because I was like, just keep me interested. Amy can do it. Like, yeah. Amy, yeah. she's a she's Alice a was, like, the best part. I liked her. Ugh, I just wanted her to be, I was like, shut up. Your parents' love life is none of your business. Like, it doesn't affect you at all. Like, yeah. Just leave it alone. I don't, I don't know. know. I was like, I would have been pissed. I was shooketh. Yeah. Should we say what we're talking <laughs> about them. for those people that haven't read it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and we haven't even really mentioned. Sorry. So, <laughs> No, no. This is how things get introduced. We, you know, willy-nilly. Yeah. So Alice is the next-door neighbor of Simon, who is the main character. Literally the girl next door. Literally the girl next door. For his whole life. For his real, whole life. Real imaginative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They... <laughs> yes. They're childhood sweethearts. Kind of. Are they in love until, like, this book, though? Are they in love before that? I don't know if they... I mean, they weren't I together. maybe he was pining for her a little bit. Yeah. Okay. 
Like, you can tell from the first time he mentions her that he feels something for her. Yeah. Love interest. Boom. Right there. Yeah. But obviously, he's Elijah Wood, and she's Amy Adams, so obviously way out of his league, right? I was picturing someone a little taller than Elijah Wood, I gotta say. (laughs) A a taller Elijah Wood. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So the the McAvoy family is this family that lives next door. And the dad is named Frank, and he was best friends with Simon's dad, Daniel. Uh, Daniel. Oh, yeah. Daniel. I couldn't yes. remember his name. I put Daniel. it in the doc because I was like, that's his it's name. It's not okay. important. He's not his important, really. Not important. And, and Paulina was uh, the mother, Simon and Enola's mom. Enola is Simon's sister. So... Uh, basically, Frank and and uh, Simon's parents were like BFFs. Then when his parents died, Frank was really insistent on like like keeping up this house, and he's like very obsessed with the fact that Simon has let this house go, and this house is like old and crumbling. And he's like, I you know this house is like the last thing left of your parents. They were my best friends. Blah blah blah. So. Then we find out that Frank – so the house starts actually falling apart and, like, cracks up through the middle and and it has, like, a hole in the ground. And Frank comes over and starts freaking the fuck out because the house is ruined. And Simon's like, yo, chill. And Frank is like, I bought this house for your mother. And, and Simon's like, like, wait, what? And then he's like, I was fucking your mom. He doesn't exactly say that, but, yeah, you know, I mean, he it's was. It's kind of more like Simon is like, did you love her? No, he doesn't even ask. He just frames like, I loved does. her. This is how I read it. Simon was like, why do you care so much about this house? And he goes, because I was fucking your mom. And then he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm fucking your daughter. <laughs> Bye. That's how I read pretty it. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much what happened. <laughs> like, at that point, the the contemporary storyline became f- way more interesting to me, too, because I was just like, ooh, look at all this gossip. <laughs> but... Yeah, and then he, like, goes and tells his sister, and she's like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, that's so fucked up. It is. It is really fucked up. It's a detailed affair. It's like, they had an affair for a few years, and then she wanted kids, so they stopped having sex, so she could know that her kids were her husband's, and they started having sex again, and she wanted to have another kid, and then they stopped having sex again. I thought that was very convenient, by the way. It was very convenient that they stopped their affair for, like, a year both times that she got pregnant just to be sure that he knew he wasn't related to this girl he's fucking. Yeah. Yeah, That's a plot device. And I was like, just let us believe like that would make it so much more interesting if they were related. Like that would make, I don't know. I just didn't (laughs) care about that. I don't know why. I, and I don't believe that they would just stop fucking just because she's trying to get pregnant. I don't believe that. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. No, yeah. I don't think so either. And I also just don't think that Frank would, like, reveal all of that Bond villain style. Yeah. To, no. Like, his, the guy who's not his kid, who's dating his kid, who's definitely going to tell his kid. Like, yeah. you don't do that. You, you don't do that. But he that asked word. for dates. He uh, said, I want specific dates. When did the fucking happen? Yeah. <laughs> That's what Simon said. As if Frank has a calendar, like... Yeah. On August 1st. (laughs) Yeah, Simon's main concern was, did I or did I not fuck my sister? (laughs) I mean, understandably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like Brendan Gleeson would have been a lot more tight-lipped about it. That's who I cast as Frank. (laughs) That is perfect casting. Oh my god, I'm dead. 
Yes, please keep telling us your casting as we discuss. Okay. (laughs) That is an excellent choice. I had a lot of fun with it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I need to know all of them, actually. Yeah. So, I don't know if if this is... So, you guys feel... I'm pretty much alone on this one, that I preferred the contemporary storyline and you guys preferred the circus storyline. I do prefer the contemporary storyline if I had to pick one, but I like them both together. Yeah, I think Mary Kay and I are on circus. Mary is kind of like, we need both and you are alone. I totally agree that it could have been done better and a different organization could have vastly improved how things were revealed and the pacing, but I do think we need both parts. Even if those parts are different, I liked the frame idea, and I also wanted to know, like, I mean, it took me, like, looking for Bess Visser to be like, where is she at? Who is that? And then Verona. I was like, who are these women? Like, I feel like they're important, but I feel like there was a chapter in there, and then somebody was like, nah, I wanted them. I wanted it from their perspectives, too. I think that would have been a lot cooler. Yeah, and that's what I was expecting. When I started reading the circus timeline, I thought that we were going to kind of, like, go through the generations. Right. Me, too. I thought it was going to be, like, a middle sex sort of situation where it's, like, this family, then this family. I would have been down with because I love middle sex. You know, this book is kind of like Holes. I have not read that. Yeah, Holes by Lewis Thatcher. It's like pieces that are supposed to come together at the end. I'm trying to think of... Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Half of it is the past. Half of it is the present. We're examining a curse. Yeah. It doesn't really matter about the generations in between. Earth the kid is the fortune teller. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The mute fortune teller. Yeah. This person ripped off holes. Is that what we're saying? Maybe. Maybe. It is not unlike holes. Holy it shit. It is not unlike holes. Though I didn't immediately make that connection. I did, but I also, like, do children's lit I haven't read Holes in a very long time. But Holes is a great book. Mm -hmm. I love Holes. Holes is very well executed, I thought. All right, I'm going to have to go back and read Holes, because I've never read it. It'll only take you, like, an hour and a half, and it's totally worth it. I've only seen the movie with Shia LaBeouf. It's Shia, okay? Shia LaBeouf. The movie's not bad. The movie's a pretty good adaptation. Okay, so that's that was my, my first discussion point, which we, you know... Anyway, what did you guys think of the narration? Like the, f- did you feel like the first person worked? What do you- Emily has thoughts? I have thoughts. You know, I have thoughts because again, this is something we talked about. Yes. How dare you? The secret conversation. Okay, so I really think that Erica Swiler does not ha- know how to do third person because her Ooh. her third person perspective was all over the place like who's true who is telling this story like okay so the first person worked fine for me the first person is the contemporary storyline is all told in first person first person present tense which works fine for me um it's a little trendy but it's it's fine well she does a good job at least with the present tense where she's not constantly like referring to not like the couple next door where it felt really awkward when they were writing in the present tense she's not going like he had had breakfast right (laughs) i feel (laughs) like the first person present tense works well because i never thought about like oh this is present tense like it just it works yeah you don't notice it the third person however i feel like she was struggling with because we are all over the place in everybody's head and there's really no rhyme or reason to it. It's not 
really omniscient because we really like zone in on different characters at different times. But I was having a really hard time understanding like who was telling the story. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I that bothered me. Yeah, I agree. It would be one like one person f- focusing on one person, and then you'd randomly get like one comment about what the other person was thinking in that moment. Yeah, so there was no like rhyme or reason to it at all. It was just like all over the yeah. place. Yeah, it wasn't like it was separated into different characters. Right. It was like just whenever we happen to want to know, but then other times it's like, oh, we can't know what that person is thinking right now. <laughs> I wanted each character to have a chapter or two that yeah. they narrated, like, as I lay dying, like, um, what's the other book that does that? The famous one that does that? The Sound and the Fury. Like we'll just talk oh, about all so the Faulkner basically books. I wanted Faulkner to have written this, yeah. Um, except for then it would have taken, then I would have had, it would have taken me like three weeks to read it. Everybody should just, just be like, written where did by this Faulkner. Sentence start? Let's just rewrite this book. Like no. Wrote it. <laughs> I hate it. But I, like I, I don't know because I, I liked I liked the the way that it felt like a fairy tale when it was in the in the yeah. past. But that's part of being fairy tale is that it can jump around and it doesn't have to be responsible because they were oral traditions. So I liked that, but I think yeah. yeah, I think now that you mentioned that that it's supposed to feel like a fairy tale, that's probably why we get so much more exposition in the the past mm-hmm. narrative as well because fairy tales. Um, typically have a lot of sort of like expository it's less like detailed more just like here's what happened yeah. and no reflection at the end you just gather from it what you, what will. you get yeah yep. mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's kind of how i would describe this book is what if you found out you were part of a fairy tale mm. yeah Oof. that makes me like it more when you say it like that yeah yeah that makes me feel very deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> fairy tales are terrifying. Yeah, nobody yeah. wants to be f- part of a fairy tale. I think, uh, except for the, everybody the thinks contestants they on The Bachelor, but they don't know what they're talking about. They're stupid, though. Yeah. That doesn't count. They don't know what they're thinking. They're all named Lauren. They're thinking about Disney. <laughs> they're not thinking about real fairy tales. They're all named Lauren. They're all blonde. They all, they all want to be Ariel from The Little Mermaid. That yeah. means they're all final girls, which means they don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. They are showing a lot of cleavage, so. They may not be virginal enough. Yeah. Yeah. To be But if you're the most girls. virginal in the cast, you win. It doesn't have to be to- actually. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. true. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's move on to, I wanted to ask, so. I feel like this book is about a lot of different things, but it never, like, really picks one theme and, like, hones in on that. But I think that, that there are a couple that we could potentially talk about. But I wanted to ask you guys, like, what you think that – if you had to say what this book is about, which is kind of what Mary was just saying, like, what is the takeaway from this? Like, what what are the main themes? I mean, maybe this is why a lot of us are talking about – or all of us are talking about the fact that, like, we don't feel like this is a book that's going to stick with us long after we've read mm-hmm. it because there aren't a lot of themes that, I don't know, for me, there weren't a lot of themes that stuck, stuck out to out. me. So I'm I'm kind of thinking we should hand this one over to Mary because she rated this the highest. Oh, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. It's about a lot of things. And it's kind of like what Mary Kay said about fairy tales. It's like you kind of just take what you take from it. Yeah. 
And I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, I would say it's about family and it's about the importance of knowing where you come from, but knowing you're not bound to history, I guess. Like, you're not necessarily bound to repeat the past. I mean, one thing that I, and this is kind of maybe getting off on a tangent, but one thing I thought that was very interesting is it kind of seemed like in a lot of ways this curse was still happening because the tarot cards that had been passed down from generation to generation had not been cleansed. Yeah. And the energy from all the previous owners of those cards hung around on them in a negative way. Wait, what do you call it when you cleanse tarot cards? They they mentioned it in the book. Smudge? Yeah. So the takeaway from this book is smudge your tarot cards on the reg. Yeah, I I don't know. And so, like, to me, when you're cleansing the tarot cards and you're kind of, like, starting fresh. Smudging the tarot cards. They had not done that. So they could never, I don't know, like, a new generation could not start fresh. Yeah. If that makes sense. And they were holding on to the past. But at the end, now that they've all started fresh, they can move on. So, like, maybe it's about letting go of the past. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt when I was thinking about this question was that it was like very much about letting go of the past and about not fixating on Mm -hmm. things that have already happened. And like just the fact that to ultimately to get rid of this thing and like move on the like thing, things either had to be burned or gotten rid of basically like, yeah. And, like, he got this, you know, he is a librarian who, and, like, a historian and a person who spends a lot of his time thinking about the past and a person who lives in this house that is, like, a ghost of his parents and a ghost of his childhood. And, like, so much of his life is wrapped up in, like, things that he's holding on to. Um, and so I guess a lot of it was about learning. And, like, as he's sort of, like, deconstructing the past, the house is, like, literally falling apart, which is, yes. like, a cool connection, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that he, you have to learn to, like, let go of that, I guess. Uh, so in in some ways, I think I, I would just have to think more about how to connect these things together, I guess, which is not a bad thing. I I like what you were saying, Mary, about family and knowing where you come from, but not letting that dictate where where you go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's something that they're saying. That's a thing that's happening. (laughs) I mean, maybe all the themes being disconnected and you having to, like, pick through them and say, what do I think this book is about? I mean, that is, in a lot of ways, like, what fairy tales are. Yeah. Everybody can read a fairy tale and get a different sort of message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. I did get something different. Go for it. Yeah. I looked at this. Um, it's similar, though. And I had a question first because I'm not super familiar with tarot. And I know that two of you guys are. So what is the objective of a tarot reading? Uh, so it depends Ooh. on the reading because there are different, um, like, layouts of cards essentially that you can do to answer different types of questions Mm -hmm. um and like every person who reads tarot might have a different way of doing it but there's like a basic the basic like celtic cross uh pattern that they mentioned a couple times is 
basically answering a question about like like something specific and what the um progress of that specific thing is going to be or like how is this thing going to like develop or whatever so you ask about like how, what is my what's going to be happening with my career you ask like what about my relationships or oh, yeah. give me yeah, guidance okay. in some way and then yeah, each I card all the men ask about business and all the women ask about love right, right? Mm-hmm. and so each card is in a specific place where if that card is in that spot that is that spot is related to like how other people see you and this spot okay. is related to like how you see yourself this spot is related so it's kind of like each one of these cards has like different meanings depending on what place it's in yeah and it's really helpful okay. if you have like a specific intention in mind when you're doing the cards because then you can't get i don't know something more from the cards than if you're just throwing them out there yeah trying to make them i mean a lot of it is analyzing and it's i mean it's just like with analyzing a book if you have a more narrow focus you're going to be able to get a better analysis (laughs) yeah like i know i i got a tarot reading i think the last time i got like a real tarot reading that wasn't just like me fucking around at home um i I thought you were going to say when i got a real tarot reading that wasn't married (laughs) (laughs) um I got a tarot reading, like, when I was applying to grad school because I was, like, really wanting to know, like, what's, like, what is the next step of my life going to look like? I'm applying to all these grad schools. I could be going anywhere. Um, and they pulled out a card, and I bet it – I think it was Mary. It was like, you're going to meet this girl. She's going to change no. your life for the worst. No. But, yeah, you know, like, having a specific focus like that, like, I'm going to grad school. Like, what what's going to happen with that or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, that's interesting because that's how Amos learns to talk mm-hmm. is by predicting other people's futures through the cards, which is really fascinating to me because it, it's interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Each card has really rich imagery and there's a lot going on. I mean, they, they talked about a different tarot deck that I don't know if it's real or what it is, but the weight, the Rider weight deck that they mentioned a few times that I know Enola actually used to do readings for her job. That's like the basic one, right? It's the standard, like what people think of when they think of a tarot deck. I don't, I, I don't know like a lot about tarot, but the stuff that I've read says, you know, like it's not just about knowing what the cards typically mean. You have to be able to look at the images on the card and something might stick out to you first a different way than it might a different day. So like it's also depending on what you notice first in the cards. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much going on and so much rich imagery that it makes me think that he was pointing to different things on the same cards to mean something. Mm. I don't know okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it does. Just to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason I asked about that, because we're, we're still talking about themes, right? Like, what mm-hmm. what's the thing you take away from it? Um, I grew up in a super conservative, or like, maybe not super conservative, but like, like on the spectrum of very accepting to conservative, closer to conservative, uh, religious, Christian slash Catholic house. And I remember mentioning tarot cards, and I think my stepmom was like, "The devil." They're not in the house, right? Like, <laughs> they're not here, right? And I was like, "What do you mean?" And she was like, "You please don't have those in the house." Like, and I was like, "Okay, like no big deal. It's fine." Um, but I, uh, it just it seems like 
they are what curses the family. And of course, like that's coming from my perspective, but it's like yeah. the tarot cards are the thing they had to destroy. They tried to destroy them with fire and then they didn't get the right thing. And then they dumped them in the, in the ocean and then they came back mm-hmm. and they're all like on this road trip and it's like, okay, are we done? Or are like, what's you guys done with the curse or like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> so I think they're done with the know. curse. I don't know if the curse yeah. carries on to someone else. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing, right? I don't even, I don't think it's the cards themselves. I think it's the improper treatment of the cards in an attempt to hold on to the memories of people who are gone. Well, and the the person who who did this in the first place was uh, Rishkova when she mm-hmm. was trying to put a protection. But words are slippery. Thing, Mm -hmm. yeah, onto these cards. But she had all of these – she was leaving and she had all of these negative feelings wrapped up in why she was leaving because of Evangeline and all the things she had seen. And so, like, when she's trying to put protection onto these cards, she actually is putting, like, the opposite of protection towards Evangeline and thus her family forever. Yeah, but then she bails – and her family's fine. Like, her daughter marries Benno, and yeah. then they turn in, they're the McAvoys later, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I think it can go either way. I mean, I see what you're saying. I yeah. get it. I get, like, smudge them, clear it out, yeah, start fresh, or just don't. <laughs> I, I mean, I grew up in a really conservative house, too, and it was always the same understanding of, like, don't touch a Ouija board. Don't do tarot cards. Never. It's mm-hmm. all the devil. Ouija boards still scare me because yeah. I'm like, I don't think we should talk to spirits. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, <laughs> my Meanwhile, my mom was giving me voodoo dolls as birthday presents. So, <laughs> Meanwhile, I was, like, 10 years old using a Ouija board. Like, how did you die to the spirit that my friend and I are talking to? <laughs> I like tarot cards though seem so much more that's different, yeah, for interpretive. Sure. And I I understand. I don't know. I just think about like I don't know if any of you guys ever listened to or have seen Carmen. No. A Christian rapper singer of the nineties. That was very popular. <laughs> but he has a song like where he you would totally know right. it. Satan bite the dust. Never heard of it. Ain't no monsters in my house. A Witch's Invitation, all Carmen hits. Um, but in A Witch's Invitation, he lists through a bunch of, uh, like, occult paraphernalia. And he was like, she had pentagrams, Ouija boards, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my God. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is pretty innocuous. And though, I was right? like, wait, what? That's a whole other thing. So, like, people can think anything. You're it's right. No, you're, no, no, you're not. I understand where you're coming from. I'm just saying, like, I had a different takeaway based on my upbringing, which I think is part of the fairy tale aspect. That's all I mean. Oh, I'm not saying sure. that you're wrong or you shouldn't do whatever you I'm want. I'm not either. Absolutely do it. Just don't have it in my house. I'm just. I also just wanted to say Dungeons and yeah. Dragons one more time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mary just wants to take any opportunity to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. When yes. Sometime we need to have a mini-sode that's, like, just Dungeons & Dragons. We should just play Dungeons & Dragons on a mini-sode. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> but then we, would, then we would be like, this is so fun. Let's have a whole other podcast. I'm cool with that. So, were you guys satisfied with the level of magic no. in this book? Uh-uh. No. Always. Always Why not, more. Emily? I wanted real fucking mermaids. 
Yeah, I was kind of hoping for real mermaids. Or just, like, maybe, like, a hint that there might be real mermaids out there somewhere. At least, like, throw a tail on her when she's in the water or something. Yeah, the mermaid part was the least mystical part. Because they went pretty hard mystical into the tarot stuff. Yeah. But the mermaid stuff was very, like, I taught myself to hold my breath by expanding my ribs. It wasn't, like, magical mermaid. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, they had the Rosalka... What is it? The Russian sirens? Oh, yeah. Rusalka? Is that what it was called? I think. And then I think the plural is with the I. But um, so I looked them up because I was like, did I do it wrong? There is a mermaid on this book, though. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So they're um, the drowned ghosts, basically. They're like really vengeful and they're half the soul. So I like that part. And I like They didn't really explain that, though. No. They could. More, please. Yeah, that's why I wanted, yeah. like, young Rishkova telling uh-huh. a chapter about Yeah, that. I mean, it, we kind of yeah. get a, like, half-ass half version of it, but... Yeah. This book just needed to be workshopped, obviously. We need to <laughs> ham everything up. Just ham it up. Yeah. Just, like, really lean lean into it all. And then I, I liked that Amos was... Okay, so generally what happened with the Wild Boys is they captured a slave. Like in the in the circus and was like, okay, act like you want to go home. Like that's really what the wild boy thing was, um, which is terrible and tragic. But Amos was actually like a feral child, and I liked that a lot. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, he vanished at the end. Yeah, what the fuck? That's amazing. That's I think those were like the magical parts I really liked. But definitely more, please and thank you. Especially yeah. more mermaids. Great question. Yeah, I. It's hard because, like, I too love magic and I'm always down for more of it. But I was satisfied with the amount. And I see here, Mary Kay, you said, Did you think there was enough circus in it, too? Like, <laughs> yeah. couldn't there have been more circus and more magic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, always. there could have been more circus. But I think that's what I, one thing I like about circus stories is from a, um, from a, viewer's perspective the circus is magic Mm. but from a performer's perspective it's just your job yeah and you know the tricks and so i like i liked that you know like sure i just learned how to expand my ribs and get more air in that's how i hold my breath i kind of put a tail on put a tail on at least (laughs) just put a tail on pretend her with a tail on the sign don't put a white dress on come on then it just looks like you're getting baptized. Yeah. And then, yeah. Well, which yeah. is kind yeah. of also magic, miracle. But, okay, so in there's just one way. line in here. Yeah. That I forgot about. About Doyle, my one true love. Doyle! My favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like him. I couldn't even cast him. He was just so visceral for me. I was like... Are we going to talk about Doyle? She's doing yeah, it now. I too, because he's the electric motherfucking boy. Like, that's yeah. his yeah. deal. And Covered in tattoos. Simon is like... So what's your deal? And he's like, "Oh, I'm electrical," <laughs> which is yeah. pretty magic for me. Like, I liked that a lot. Where he's like, "Does it really?" And he kind of gets annoyed with him. He's like, "Does it really matter how I do it?" Like, it does just not. Just enjoy the yeah. fucking show, you ingrate. He's like the, the one really magical part of the contemporary storyline, and I really appreciate it. Like, he's just like going around like touching shit and making it like light up. It's pretty crazy. And kissing him, kissing pennies, which is yeah. gross, but I don't care. He did say at one point, he was like, I have too much salt. Yeah. 
Yeah, you do. <laughs> That's his explanation. Like, that was his explanation. For how he can, like, literally light light bulbs by holding them. Which makes no sense. Which you makes no sense. You know who else is really salty? Me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And he also has this insane octopus tattoo that covers his entire body and yes. face. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited to see that later. When... When I was reading a huge chunk of this, I was reading with Todd. He was reading a John Green book that I'm trying to peer pressure him into reading. Oh, yeah. And I was reading this. And at one point, I was like, hey, look at this picture of a horse. And he just looked at it. (laughs) And I said, it's sugar nip. Just like very quietly, like, this is sugar nip. Sugar nip. (laughs) And he was like, what's a sugar nip? What is that? Is that the horse? I just loved every time the tiny horse was mentioned. He'd be like, he went Sugar to the, nip. the very small horse and pet him on the head. And I was like, <laughs> that's oh, what I would be doing I, if I was there. I just love that its name is Sugar Nip. I know. All right. So we talked about the magic. Talked about Sugar Nip. And Sugar Nip, <laughs> who is part of the magic because he's a miniature yeah. horse. He's like little Sebastian. Bye, bye, little Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, this is my last point here. This is something I've been thinking about, which this was the one part of it that I that came, like I realized at the end where the rest of it I already knew, like pretty early on, like nothing surprising happened except for like Frank fucking Paulina. I was a little surprised about that. But um <laughs> the the rest of it I was like, okay, yes, obviously The tarot cards are the curse, and it took Simon a bajillion years to figure that out. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff that came as, like, a reveal was, like, things that we already knew. But uh, at the end, when Simon goes to try to, you know, get rid of the tarot cards, he decides, like, I have to – I can't burn them. That's too fast. This was, like, a a, a slow building curse that has come over my family, so you have to kill them slowly, so I'm going to drown them. No. (laughs) That seems wrong. So he goes into the water, and there's these horseshoe crabs, which are sort – they are almost like – like they reminded me of the end days or something, that, like, suddenly there's, like, all these horseshoe crabs that are coming to, like, eat people from the sea. Um, And this is what happens every time someone in the family dies. So he goes, and all the horseshoe crabs, like, weigh him down at the bottom, and then he starts – drowning basically and then somehow alice sees him and comes and saves him but i realized like this whole time simon has been freaking out because he thinks that enola is gonna die and i was like what why isn't it that simon was gonna be the one who died right exactly Mm -hmm. i'm right on board with you i was thinking that the whole time too same because the whole time he's like oh the women in my family the women in my family but he's the first man born in this family line yeah. so exactly who's to say that it's not just the first child that or this both. happens to or both because they've all been only children also yeah mm-hmm. so and and enola has been acting weird this whole time but then we find out that it's because she's been seeing this stuff in her cards and she told doyle like i'm worried about my brother i have to go see him mm-hmm. yep. so what she was seeing might not have been cards that were telling her of her own death coming, but of something bad that was going to happen to her brother. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting that at the end it's like, you know, he is actually probably the mermaid that was 
gonna die this whole time. And he, like, the fact that he was going to do this in the first place and ends Mm -hmm. up almost drowning is because he's trying to stop his sister from dying. So it's just, like, this whole cyclical thing, which was also kind of, like, self-fulfilling prophecy sort of situation, which I thought was pretty interesting. And that was, like, when I realized that part, I was like, okay, this is better than I thought. Yes. (laughs) I didn't realize it until pretty late, either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like something surprising happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was cool. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy or that it wasn't Mm -hmm. so obvious Mm -hmm. and I was like... No. <laughs> even when we even when it's revealed in the book, it's not like and she was worried about him. Yeah, it was. Right. It's just it's pretty subtle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it doesn't feel like too twisty. Yeah, it's not a reveal. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, it's like one of those things you think about two days later in the grocery store. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like who was the one that was going to die? Like it's really subtle. I liked it. I mean, I thought I thought that was a kind of cool. In, or way that it could be interpreted. Because it could be either way. Yeah. Right? That's the yeah. thing. We don't know. Yeah. I like that. Cool. I'm just glad Doyle was there for them. Yeah. I know. He, he's coming over later. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. I love it. Look, just let me dream, okay? It could be a Christmas miracle. We don't know. A Christmas miracle. Did you like Doyle the part where real. he was, every time he touched the window, little shocks of electricity came out of his fingertips? Yeah, they did. You know they did, though. <laughs> Does anyone have anything else that they want to say about this book? No. Would recommend. Yeah. <laughs> More sugar nip. More mermaids. More magic. More magic. I would mildly recommend. I would say. Yes. You know, be prepared to like it and be annoyed that it wasn't better because it could have been. Yeah. I think it's a good way to, like, pass the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're on a plane, it's a good plane read. It would be a good plane read. All the stuff is there that it needs to be good. It just needs to be, like, fixed. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot recently about, like, criticism. I listened to a podcast while I was driving home. Um, it's less than live with Cater Die, and she was interview interviewing Travis McElroy of the McElroys, uh, podcasting royalty, <laughs> and he was saying, "Why can't we just enjoy things anymore? Like as a society, like critics are always writing. I enjoy not enjoying shit. Okay, this is how I enjoy shit." By criticizing it. This is what I do. Oh, me too. No, I like criticizing things. Okay. But the point was, you know, he was like, a lot of critics think that they have to be harsh on things for minor grievances. Like, I liked The Last Jedi, but what are porgs? I hate them. I'm going to talk about porgs for five paragraphs and why they suck. (laughs) (laughs) The Porg Speaks. <laughs> God. But, you know, like, I thought about that. Like, you know, if you went to a movie and you enjoyed it and you don't necessarily want to see it again, but you don't regret seeing it, like, you had an okay time. That's what I always yeah. say. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this book. Like, I don't regret reading this. I had an okay time reading it. Well, that's the thing is like... I had fun reading it. Yeah. There's a place for things that are fun and enjoyable. And then there are things that are are elevated. And the thing that frustrates me about this is it comes very close. Right, yeah. To Uh, something that could be 
something that I could that you can like really interact with critically. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. almost there. So that's what frustrates me. It's like I'm not gonna go to see like a Fast and Furious movie and be like, I'm gonna be really hard on this. But you know, this is like it is literary yeah. fiction, like to a certain degree. It is. So, you know, I enjoyed it. I just like want a little I wanted something more from it and Yeah. But I would recommend it. I, mean, I too. I mean, too. I shouldn't be a hypocrite about it because I am most often happiest when I'm criticizing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Works of fiction, and I and I love stuff that I criticize. I just like talking. That's about why we it. have this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk about shit. I like the critical stuff too. But my favorite thing is when I'm like, "What was the point of?" Oh shit! That's genius. Like that's my favorite kind of criticism. Is like when it takes me like the third time reading it or watching it to be like, I just don't get it. And then it clicks, you know, like that's yeah. my, that's my funnest thing. So I totally get what you're saying, Kelly, about like, it's different being entertaining versus like making you feel or think a different way. I think that's different. Yeah. It's two, it's two different classifications, but also like, I mean, to what you're saying, Mary, it's like, I'm going to hope, like I'm going to go into it hoping both. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. the best things do both. Yeah, and then you know if it doesn't <laughs> if it doesn't do both, just be happy where it lands or try to. But sometimes, like with that new mummy shit, just total <laughs> devastation. Like I was so ups- I was so sad. Oh like God. the twelve year old inside of me just like cried on the kitchen floor. Anyway, because it did nothing. It was I'm, anyway. I'm sorry that you had to see that happen. Me too. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to get into some listener feedback. Yeah. Starting with one listener named Mary Kay. Hey, Mary Kay. (laughs) So I I know, Mary Kay, you wanted to say something about our Stranger Things episode way back when we talked about Stranger Things. Um, I can't remember who said it, but someone was like, Joyce and Hopper are going to hook up and then they're both going to be like, oh, what a stupid mistake. And I just needed to say, why would she regret Sleeping with Hopper. <laughs> Period. We can move on. <laughs> That's it. It's true. true. I think it was probably me that said that. Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It seems like something she would do, but, I mean, it seems like some- she's very, like, you know, nervous, kind of, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Understatement. Like, yeah, she'd overthink it, probably. But Yeah. I think she would also, like, plus her... I don't know, like, they're going to be like, we need to be responsible parents and, you know, not get too focused on each other when blah, blah, blah. I Somebody just, needs to be a responsible parent. I gotta parent. think about my boy, she'll say. What about my boy? Well. Hopper's the one rescuing well, him all the time. You are in, you are just investing, bitch. That's all you're tell doing. Tell me what's wrong with my boy. My boy. <laughs> you're right. Anyway. I just feel like he would be obligated to help then also not that he's not already you know very helpful and generous with time and energy and probably other things too (laughs) (laughs) what things i mean whatever probably he just seems like a real giver (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you can cut this if you want no absolutely never 
This is staying in. Uh, if everything else gets cut, this yeah. stays. The whole podcast is going to be you talking about fucking Hopper from Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, is that what you're talking well, about? Well, I think I've I said all I needed to say. <laughs> it wasn't. I was talking about Joyce and Hopper, not me and Hopper. Uh, he's not real, you guys. Look, he's just not. That's the thing. So, so now we have some more listener feedback from another listener named Emily. Oh, yeah. So I was a listener on the last um, episode because I couldn't be here. The last long form episode. Yeah. Right. Long form episode. You guys talked about the girls. I have it here in front of me. Um, I had a big problem with this book um, because of the writing style. And this is something you guys didn't talk about. And if I had been there, I would have talked about it. Um, She, her pattern for describing shit is very similar every time. So, um, and I, I can't find an example of this now and it's driving me crazy, but it's like one sentence, like I'm like made up an example earlier. It was like, I walked into my mother's kitchen, the smell of burnt coffee, my mother's <laughs> robe draped across the chair. I thought about lazy days in the summer drinking lemonade. And that's like how she describes things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, one long sentence and then these short little fragmented sentences describing, like, what's happening in the room. And, like, over and over again. And it just, like, drove me crazy. I'm like, this isn't a fucking poem. Just tell me a goddamn story. Like, what's happening? So that really bothered yeah. me. Like, varying your sentence structure is super important, guys. Those of you that write, please do it. Because when you have repetitive sentence structure, um, whether your reader realizes it or not, it starts to, like, great. So, also, I took mm-hmm. that quiz you guys took, and I got Charles Manson. Uh, so obviously, you needed me because you said <laughs> you needed a Charles Manson, and I am here, your fearless leader. Good, it's true. So that's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Valid points. Valid mm-hmm. points. Yeah. Kelly, were you Eileen? I was Eileen. So was Mary and Susan. <laughs> All three of us were Eileen. I was also Eileen, and I'm totally happy about it. We're doing her movie on everything trying to kill you. I'm so excited. I know. I need to watch it. I need to listen because I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. So we've got quite a few, quite a few listener feedbacks about Star Wars. So let's start with Saeed from Yellowstone, Montana. Uh, He says, I hated The Last Jedi the first time I saw it, but I think I'm ready to see it again. I'm hoping I can get around the comedy and childishness of it all. For me, the forced comedy and cheesiness of the dialogue got to me. It just felt like too many of the jokes were thrown in to appease the younger generation. The ones that stick out for me are the ongoing shtick where Ray's training kept interfering with those maiden creatures. Um, when Ray finally meets Luke, she hands him his lightsaber. It's supposed to be the pivotal moment between the two of them. We were left with that scene for two years just waiting to see what was going to happen. And then he just throws it over his shoulder and the whole thing is ruined. Think about it. That's how The Force Awakens ends. Ray meeting Luke. And we have to wait two years. And that's what happens. Also, when Luke is getting blasted by all the lasers, I was on the edge of my seat. I was so into that scene. And then he comes out and does that little shoulder brush off. I hated that. Um, so what do we think about this? Okay, I agree with that last part. I did not like the shoulder brush off either. It seemed a little flippant because I was, I too was on the edge of my seat. About waiting two years, though, to see what would happen, I'm trying to think, like, I'm curious, Saeed, I'm saying, like, I know Saeed, <laughs> I, like, I wonder, 
what you wanted to happen because it could go many different ways, but I don't know that I would have been satisfied if I got what I expected out of that interaction. Like, I, I, I mean, I kind of liked that Luke was so dismissive and just threw the lightsaber down because I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting him to be very serious and reverent and for them to have a serious conversation and that my expectations were subverted was exciting. And let's, let me just say as far as, cause you know, we didn't get to talk very much about the force awakens cause that wasn't really what we were focusing on, but um, the end of The Force Awakens was my least favorite part of the entire movie because I felt like the stare that happened between Ray and Luke went on for like a comically long time where I was just like, yeah. <laughs> what the, f-? it was just like too serious where I was like, are they fucking kidding right now? So like, mm-hmm. I realized that we were waiting for a really long time to like see what was going to happen with that interaction, but I felt like it was almost like built up too much to the point where it was like, there wasn't there was no way they could resolve it because it was already like comedically serious. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like so many people are complaining about this movie being corny and having too much humor. And it's like, well, The Force Awakens, which I loved, but did have a lot of moments that were over serious and like over like melodramatic to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um also I just want to say that this whole movie, like The Last Jedi, is all about like disappointment and failure Mm -hmm. and the fact that we start off this really important interaction with someone doing something that is extremely disappointing is like perfect because ray has traveled all of this way to meet the last jedi and have this very serious interaction and then she realizes like this is not gonna go the way that i thought it was like and that's what he says he kind of sucks about something like later that's kind of like how the movie is because so much of the stuff that that you expected to happen didn't happen or didn't go the way you thought it was going to happen and that's good. Yeah. Like why would you want something to be predictable? Like how Mary was saying, you know. Okay, so again, a lot of people have been writing in to us about the humor in uh The Last Jedi. Uh Claire from Grand, Grand Rapids, Michigan said, I enjoyed this movie, but I also felt a shift. And in some ways, to me, it felt similar to Guardians of the Galaxy. A little more humorous, a little younger thoughts. So that's not really a negative comment about the humor. That's more of a, this movie was different. Right. But again, like, mentioning that the humor seemed geared towards, like, a younger audience, which is something Saeed said as well. I have prepared a list (laughs) of... Quotes from the original trilogy. Um, so let me just let me just repeat some of the things that were said. So, uh, comedy and childishness, forced comedy and cheesiness of the dialogue, um, and then more humorous, a little younger. Um, so here are some quotes that I have for you. Number one: Laugh it up, fuzzball, Han Solo to Chewbacca. Number two, why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder, Leia. Who you call it scruffy-looking? Han. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside, Han Solo. To a tauntaun. To a tauntaun. <laughs> Number four, would someone get this big walking carpet out of my way, Leia? About Chewie. Rude. Um, this is my favorite slash least favorite. 
Number five. Traveling through hyperspace ain't like dusting crops, farm boy. Han to Luke. <laughs> Number six. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. Leia. Laser brain seems a lot like Chrome Dome that we talked about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's let Susan know about that one. Mm-hmm. Number seven, don't call me a mindless philosopher, you overweight gob of grease. Just so mean. These people are so mean. So these are just a a small sampling. That one's specific, though. I like that one. (laughs) (laughs) That one's probably the least offensive out of all these, the least um, offensive to my sensibilities. Um, (laughs) the, the, The dialogue in the original trilogy is ridiculous, okay? You can't say that the dialogue in the new movie is bad and then hold up the original trilogy as a gold standard. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's f- that having cheesy dialogue is great or that having kind of stupid jokes is great, but I am saying if your complaint is that it has gotten more cheesy, you're just wrong. Because <laughs> if anything... It's gone a little bit more back in the direction of the cheesiness that originated with the trilogy in the first place. So I just, I, and you can't say like, oh, well, it was the 70s. It's different. Like, is it though? Because there are plenty of comedies that came out of that time that were funny without being cheesy. So it's not, it's not a bad thing, like you said, to be cheesy. It's just like, if the argument is this isn't enough, like the original trilogy it's too funny. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. That was a huge part of, like, the the back and forth dialogue between Leia and Han and all the insults was, like, a huge part of their dynamic in those movies. So, sort of related, but, you know, we've talked a lot about the backlash to The Last Jedi, and, you know, there's even now, like, a petition of fans wanting to get it removed from the canon, which is ridiculous. Like, oh, the the prequels were fine right but <laughs> the last jedi is a problem right but um one of my favorite culture critics todd vanderwerf has written a really detailed article on vox i think yes i love that this we article. can we can link to and he goes into extreme detail about why people are having such a visceral response to the last jedi and it's a very interesting read Highly recommend. Yes, we will link to it in the show. Um, also, relevant news today is that, which may or may not be true, but there is now an alt-right group from uh, 4chan who is claiming to have, well, they, they're they claiming that they used bots to, like, go into the Rotten Tomatoes reviews and post, like, a thousand million bad reviews because they're upset that... Uh, the Last Jedi is being too inclusive mm. and too hateful of men. Um, poor men. <laughs> poor men. Poor I feel so bad. It's so hard to be a white man, you know? It's I believe so hard. that it's hard to be a human. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that... Don't get me started on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank okay. you. You are welcome to jump in at any time. Always get started on this. Yeah. Honestly, that's what we do here. Okay, I'll say one thing. Quality feels like discrimination when you're used to being an advantage. Yes. That's it. Yes. I've always wanted to have rap air horns after anything I said. Just to yes. I'm checking it off my bucket list now. That's so yes. cute. 
Um, should we do the next question? I'm so sad that Susan's not here to read this one. So Kelly, you'll have to do it. So Frank, Frank from Athens, Georgia says, which hopefully I'm going to pronounce this correctly. Do your best. Those space cows are totally called Thala sirens. Would Wikipedia lie? <laughs> also, is Chewie going to cut dairy from his diet? <laughs> Probably not. I'm going to say no. Would Wikipedia lie? Definitely not. Yeah, I'm going to say no Wikipedia to both of those questions. is the ultimate source of information. Thank you for letting us know what the space cows are called because we were really wanting to know and not willing to look at Wikipedia. Susan needs to know the next time she talks about their engorged nipples. Yes. Uh, Mary, you want to read this next one? Uh, Jenny from Houston, Texas shared an article about from Kotaku about how porgs are puffins. <laughs> and she said, I love this so much. Space puffins everywhere. Yeah, so apparently there were a bunch of puffins on the island where they were filming the scenes with the Jedi training. And so rather than trying to like edit them out, they were just like, Space puffins! It was literally more cost-effective to create a creature and overlay it on top of a billion puffins than it was to, like, (laughs) remove the puffins from, like, digitally. And they couldn't, like, literally move the puffins because you can't do that. So. I love it so much. That's what porgs are for. And now I have a little pork. So to everyone who said, the porgs are just a money grab, they also were covering puffins. Yeah. Yeah. To better immerse you in the film. Yeah. Adam from Raleigh, North Carolina says, How many porgs are now living on the Millennium Falcon? And assuming Chewie ate the porgs he cooked, because a Wookiee's gotta eat, did he convince the porgs to come with him so he had an ample supply? Oh god. Also, he asks, Where can I get one of those cool rings? I too want to know the answer to that question. And also he asks... Who put the Jedi books on the Millennium Falcon? I think it was Yoda. So I want to talk about the ring thing first, because as soon as I saw the little, like, rebel ring or whatever, like, oh, look, I'm part of the cause. The first thing I thought was, like, Etsy is going to be all over that shit. Yep. So I would say first place to look is, like, I'm sure Etsy is blowing up with some rebel rings right now. So And I want one that has a little reveal. So you can, like, like, slide it open. Click the little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then as far as the Jedi books... Was it Yoda? Was it Rey? Was it a Porg? I mean, Yoda did not seem to like those books too much. Yoda was like, burn it all down, lol. Yeah. So I don't, I don't <laughs> know if it would have been Yoda, but I, don't know. I think it was Rey. Yeah. Okay. All I know is Yoda was a puppet. <laughs> and Mary cried. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, I, I can't answer this question about the Porgs because it makes me very sad. Yeah, I don't think so. I think the Porgs were just there as friends. Yay! I think they got, they infiltrated the ship. I don't think he got them on there. I think. I don't think he asked them to come. I think he left the door, like he opened the door and they like flew in. Honestly, I feel like. (laughs) They all just flooded in. Yeah. And we talked about this in the last episode. Chewie is in mourning right now. He lost his best friend Mm -hmm. and he's looking for something to fill that hole. And I feel like the Porgs are that for him. Like they're his companions If that is 50 Porgs. One of my favorite shots in the movie is the one of him with all the porgs on the ship, and you can see the one porg on the chair just, like, pulling a piece of the chair off. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it's, like, got the chair's leather, like, in its little beak, and it's, like, pulling it. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> it reminded me of my cats. Yeah. Yes. And when they tear the couch apart. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Those are all our um, questions. So if you have any feedback, please let us know. Um, and then also if you have any comments or questions about the Book of Speculation, uh, also email us or find us on social media about that. Yeah. What's on the blog? What's on the blog? Let me tell you about the blog. So Mary and I have officially started YA Book Club Winter Games, and our first book is... The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. Yeah, that's the name of it. The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. So that's going to be our first book. By Mackenzie Lee, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. We practice this. She is a cool Twitter person, too. And then, let me go ahead and tell you about our next books that are going to be on YA Book Club, so you can read along with us if you want. For January, we're reading There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins. It's supposed to be funny and self-aware. For February, we're reading Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert. And for March, we're reading They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. <laughs> so read along with That's us. That's a bomb title. Yeah, it looks it really good. I'm super excited about reading this. I'm really excited about all these books, honestly. But uh, read along with us and then check the blog for our for our reviews on those. Um, what mm-hmm. else is on the blog, guys? We have a riveting set of Riverdale recaps that you can catch up on while the show is on its winter break. Because yeah. apparently there are 5,000 episodes in one season. Yeah. And they need a winter break. I was like, it's almost over. And then I was like, no, it's halfway. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fucked. We also have a post where we examine all of the contestants in the newest season of The Bachelor based on their profiles provided by ABC.com. And as we mentioned, they're all blonde. They're all named Lauren. They all love <laughs> avocados. They all want to be Disney princesses. Yes. How are you going to choose between them? And You know, it was hard. I already am like, my favorite is the short hair girl. <laughs> yeah, you just pick the one like, with the different hair. The short blonde Lauren. Yeah, she's actually nice. got brown hair. No, she's so. only one. Oh. I like Taxidermy Girl. Mm-hmm. Taxidermy Girl, who wants to be a bat. That's a game mm-hmm. changer. She's like, the most romantic gift I ever got was a, an alligator claw holding a heart made of iron inside a jar. <laughs> Look. I would kind of love I'm, that. I'm there. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm on your level. Yeah. <laughs> also on the blog, a friend of the podcast, Todd Osborne. <laughs> and I... Wrote a blog post about Hulu's new show, Runaways. It is based on a Marvel comic series by Brian K. Vaughn. Hold on a minute. It's on Hulu. That means you guys are both watching that show because I gave you my Hulu info. You are not wrong. (laughs) Oh my God. You're welcome. We watch it together at his apartment on your account. Um, but yeah, so Todd and I wrote a blog post about The Runaways. He has read most of the comic books. And at the time when we wrote the blog post, I had not read any of the comics. I don't know, I'm going to read a lot of them. Um, but so we try to do like a nice take of 
someone who's read them and someone who only knows the show. Cool. But we kind of just talk about why the show is great. And you cool. should watch it. Yeah. One day, Todd and I will write that John Green blog post. I really can't wait. I believe in you. I can't wait. One day. Our next podcast episode, Susan is going to be interviewing James Markert, who just came out with a book called All Things Bright and Strange. So look forward to that. We will also be discussing our top books and movies of 2017. Overall, this year has been the worst. But yes. there were still some good books and movies that came out of it. So, like, let's focus on the positive, I guess. Um, And then for our next full episode, which is a thing that we're saying now, um, we will be reading <laughs> The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is my pick. And I will tell you more about it after I have time to think about it some more because I haven't even I thought I feel like you picked ahead. it five years ago i'm so excited about reading it i've heard nothing but good things it's on a whole bunch of best of 2017 lists so i'm into it it's about hollywood and gossip and all that shit and we haven't really read anything about that yet and so i am ready it's gonna be very fun i think yeah i just got my copy yeah i have high hopes for this book i really do so yeah you guys should be along that'll be at the end of january when we post that one so yeah yes and please make sure you are subscribed to us on all of the things and subscribe to everything trying to kill you yes yes Please yeah, do. do thank it. you so much to Mary Kay for joining us. Oh my gosh, yes, thank you, thank so, you so much Kay. for having me. So, so fun. I was so thank excited to have so you, fun. and thank you for drinking wine with me. Um, any, yes. literally any time. <laughs> 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 thank you. <laughs> Until next time, laugh it up, fuzzball. Happy New Year, bitches! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! 2018 fuck 2017 forever in the ass okay bye